0: So with that, we're going to move into teaching time this morning. Now, I recognize that this is a new thing for some of you today, but I'm going to invite uh, in just a second Paul Sue, and Andreas to join me back up here. And I'm going to move the pulpit for this segment. Um, For those of you that are new to Q&A Sunday, how this works is you can get a question in live one of three ways. You could have done it with a piece of paper, and uh, Claire and Paul T. are going to be paying attention. If there's anybody waving a piece of paper in the aisle, they're in the, or not Claire and Paul T., Claire and uh, Tyler, sorry, (laughs) Tyler back there. You cut your hair, I don't even know who you are anymore. Uh, <laughs> so uh, Claire and Tyler will be our ushers this morning. And so if you have if you've written down a question, you can kind of wave it in the aisle and they'll make sure it gets up to the production team. So Charmaine, Lou, Ann, uh, and it looks like Paul T. is up there helping with the questions. And they'll put them on the screen, we'll reread them, and then we'll respond. And not all of us will necessarily spend on each question, at least that's not the plan, uh, a ton of time. The other two ways to get your question in is via text. There's a special number that's on the screen. You can text that, uh, and that goes to the production team. Or you could email it as well, and you can see question. It's question at pilgrimchurch.ca, just question singular at pilgrimchurch.ca, and uh, you can get your question in. They've told me that there have been questions coming in already all morning, so we've got a huge list. Uh, So I'm going to invite Andreas and Paul to come up here, and you want to grab a chair when you come as well to move this over hopefully without falling over myself maybe there we go oh all right I'm gonna, uh, here we go uh, well, i'm going to uh yeah i'm gonna sit in, i'll sit in the middle here and then if you could just put it on the marks there they for the uh, other way though there you go perfect okay so both of you do you all grab a microphone Paul is being very gracious. This is not something he has done before, I don't think, so we'll see, Um, but I want to give you a few tips before we get into this. So we do this about once every, uh, well, usually a five Sunday month, but it's been a little while. We're a little off the rotation, but we've been doing this at Pilgrim, and what we found is that with Pilgrim anyway, it's been something that the first couple times we're kind of Awkward getting into it but once we got into it it was a great conversation between those submitting questions those up here usually i do it with one other person so this is the first time i'm doing it with two others today uh so we've got paul representing ibc in canada we've got andreas over here representing pilgrim ibc in mexico and we've got me in between literally in between uh no it's kidding no we're all here part of the church and serving the lord Sometimes we do this with guests that we'll bring in. We'll have a guest come back. We did that with April Yamasaki, for example, and it, became, it was more of an interview. So the ground rules are these. If you ask a highly technical question that requires biblical study that we cannot pull out of our, unless we were you know, studying that text yesterday in commentaries, we would have to punt on those. Um, if there are questions that are, um, we do reserve the right, I'll say this, because we're doing this live to retract restate, utterly deny what was said, and erase the tape, Uh, because part of the thing of the live thing is we're also putting ourselves out there, and so we may say something. I know I always walk away from these thinking, oh, I would have said that differently, or I would have added this, or whatever, so do extend grace to how we're having this conversation, Um, but I do think it's one way that we can model what happens can happen in home churches, and also that the church We can handle the questions. Even if we don't have the answers up here, we can handle the questions. God can handle the questions. Amen? Well, that was weak. God can't handle the questions. God can handle the questions. Amen? Okay, okay. Oh, well, that was a little better. Uh, So we'll jump right in. We're going to pray, and then we'll go through that. I will reread some of the questions uh, because, again, they'll be on the screen as well, but that gives us a little time to, to think through it as well, and then we'll jump in. So let's pray, and we're going to begin with our Q&A Sunday here. Our first one, having done it in this environment, so join with me. Father, I do thank you that your word is life, and Jesus, you are the living word. And we come to you today because we do believe it's important from time to time to make space to say, God, what is on the hearts and minds of fellow believers or seekers in this place? And God, even though we are still in like pandemic uh, phase 4, I don't know, 67, Uh, Lord, I thank you for those that are here today and those that are joining us online, and God, may we wrestle well, may we learn from one another, and may uh, your light burst forth in this place and in this environment. We surrender these next minutes to you, in Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. I think, did I cover all the ground rules, yeah? Okay, the important ones, right? Okay, all right. So, um, this morning, uh, if you do, oh, I guess they're going to give you more sheets if you need any. Uh, Are you guys walking? Okay, I don't know what's going on now. Okay, so let's go ahead with the first question this morning. And these are the dialogue partners. That's going to be hard to read. That's going to be very hard to read. I guess I'll read it off the screen here. What is the purpose of confession if we're already forgiven in Christ, if we do not repent from our sin? Uh, is it possible for us to lose our salvation does the holy spirit ever leave us oh that's a complex question wow okay so there's three parts there now to kick it off uh i I normally would take a softball but maybe i'll do one of them and then paul and andreas can cover the other ones there Um, what's the purpose of confession if we're already forgiven in christ that's interesting question so in one sense we are forgiven right uh we're told he was slain from the foundations of the world while we were yet sinners christ died for us But then scripture also implores us that there is something we we engage with with this gift of salvation and i think part of that response to salvation we're told in scripture to confess our sins one to another and to forgive one another so part of confession there's two directions of confession there's confession to god when you are convicted by the holy spirit you are invited to participate in that grace that cooperant grace of god and and sort of experience that forgiveness firsthand versus sort of a general sense of we're all forgiven. So it becomes personal in that sense. And then there's confession one to another, Matthew 18, which we're horrible at. My microphone's really ringing. I don't know if we can fix that, Um, but thank you. (laughs) Um, But there's Matthew 18 that talks about how we need to confess to one another and make these relationships right. And quite frankly, Christians, and especially the more conservative we are, are horrible at Matthew 18. We are called to go to one another. We're to and and the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus says, "Leave your gift at the altar. Go to your brother and sister, and restore." We would rather blow things up, and we would rather do that than and so I think there's two components to that. But I don't know anyone else to jump on confession or the other two questions. But I mean, I can jump on the confession
1: bit. I grew up in a Protestant church in a country where the line between Protestants and Catholics is very very strong. So whenever um, we or people like me who grew up Protestant would hear about confession, we would just go straight into thinking about sort of like the catholic sitting with the priest and confessing your sins that kind of stuff and the absolution and all that um and just kind of draw away from it because um, i think the church was still kind of trying to figure out who who we were in that setting so when i was in seminary i remember going through some of those passages where the the scripture says confess your sins to one another and not knowing what to do with them and slowly opening up to practicing this sort of confession and seeing all the benefits and how life-giving it can be to be part of a church community community that can handle that where you can confess your sins to one another um, in a way that is jesus-centered and that leads to to life and to forgiveness and to healing um, and i still marvel at the benefits of that um, whenever we do this in the service, like Czechland just did it, where we have that time for confession, I find it very liberating to be a part of that tradition and to know that we as Protestants are also part of that tradition in, in many ways. And there's, there's a lot of good questions in here. Salvation? Um, can you lose your salvation? Paul, I'm sure you're eager to jump into that's, this one. That's
0: your first Q&A question. Go for it. <laughs> there's no controversy on this one.
2: Um, I'm not falling for debate. I'm, I'm new here. I'm just going to say... Well, obviously, there are, there are different views on, on, on regarding the question of losing your salvation. I personally don't believe you can lose your salvation. I believe a true, genuine, born-again believer is secure. That's my view of, on, on the Scripture. But there are, I want to acknowledge, there are Christian groups that believe you can lose your salvation. So that's how I would answer that question.
0: There you go. Baptists would say yes to both. Baptists have been notoriously divided on this question uh so we say let the let the debate rip the question I would like to put this question for me behind the question is what's the motivation for asking it um am I trying to see how close to some imaginary you know line that I can get to or am I rushing towards being love-centered in Christ like I always wonder what's the why if, if I was the asker of that question I would ask my heart heart what's going on with this question (laughs) you know what 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 am i really saying am i am i walking in fear or am i concerned that kind of thing um are we going to put up another one or the holy spirit one what was the holy spirit one there oh we're going to jump to the okay they're pushing through um okay here we go many christians suggest that god is using us to usher in the kingdom that in fact bits of the kingdom are already here and now through us and that christians are to show and demonstrate this is not a question. This is like a theological commentary. Okay, where's the question? All right, <laughs> just kidding. Great question, good question. And the questions are to show and demonstrate to the unsaved that the kingdom is all about. This is unfamiliar to me. I've grown up with the interpretation that the words thy kingdom come refer to a second kingdom, not to our efforts. What is your opinion on this? Oh, well, that's, yeah, yeah. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Uh, that's from the Lord's Prayer, if you're unfamiliar with that phrase. Um, I don't know if one of you wants to kick that one off. I've been reading lots of books about the kingdom, so but uh, the kingdom.
1: Well, the first thing that uh, I think we can talk about is is um, it, it's a term that in in the theology world it's it's very common, but the the the, um, um, the now but not yet, and and how as Christians we live in this reality where things are happening now, but they are not yet there in in their fullness and. When we say that Christ is coming again, there is a present, um, continues there, where it's like it is happening as we speak in many ways. And we say that the kingdom is coming. The kingdom has come. Uh, In many ways, we are talking about entering into this reality where we are already seeing that healing, that life. Christ is already making all things new. That mystery of God's will, Ephesians 1.10, is being revealed as we speak right now. And we get to be a part of that, but we are also waiting and longing for the, the fullness of time, which is something that Paul goes deep in, in different letters. Um, so I think when we talk about the kingdom being here, I, 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 I agree with uh, the question. I, I also grew up in an environment when I was always thinking about this as a second coming kind of thing. And then to me, it was very shocking to think, oh, this, this is happening now, like the kingdom of God is ushering in, it is breaking in now. Um, and I think when, when we get that, the way that we approach mission in our neighborhood and the way that we think about loving our friends and our families and, and those around us really shifts. Um, and we were talking about this at home church um, last weekend when we were talking about the whole like premillennial, millennial post-millennial, a views, and how some of them, one of their weaknesses or strengths was they changed the way you think about mission. They changed the way that you think about reaching out to others. Um, so I think it's a similar thing with the kingdom. Um, I don't know if you want to add anything to that,
0: I don't know. I would say this, I I would be the opposite. I would have never, ever thought of the Lord's prayer in terms of thy kingdom. Come is a is a prayer for the end of the world. Come, Lord Jesus, is that prayer. But thy kingdom come, I think the church is about building. Um, we're building for the kingdom of God, the inbreaking fullness that's coming. But New Testament, I agree with what Andres said. there is very much. There's a tension between already and not yet. And we live in between the first and second coming. And when Jesus came first time, he said this: "If I cast out demons, then the kingdom of God has come among you." Uh, and so that's where we get that tension. And biblical scholars say it is it is both and. Uh, so we live in that. Let's put that question back up, please. There was another part of that that I think is important. Um, I, with I the, can. Yeah.
1: I'm yep. watching the live stream so that I can reread the questions when they come up but it takes a second
0: <laughs> yeah we're learning this is a horrible situation
1: <laughs> this is why we test things around okay no there's much there's much delay um, do you want me to read it again
0: no no I, I, I've okay. got the question it's, it's, is there any other thoughts on it Do you want to add anything about this uh, you know there's the danger is this I would say with with God's thinking about God's kingdom one is that we can somehow fully usher it in through our work on earth. Uh, I think that's one extreme to avoid. That's sort of the progressive ditch. Uh, The conservative or the fundamentalist ditch is to say that we've got nothing of the kingdom now. That's all future when, in fact, we're told that the Holy Spirit is given as a deposit on the inbreaking kingdom and we are empowered by the spirit, the spirit of Jesus, to work for or or as N.T. Wright says, we are building for the kingdom of God. We are working for the kingdom of God. Uh, and when Jesus comes, he wants to see us busy doing that, empowered by the Holy Spirit work, not by our efforts uh, alone, but by the work of the Spirit within us as well. So,
1: Oh, and I want to add something to that. I think another thing that can be dangerous, not always, but it can be dangerous. When we think of the, the kingdom of God as something that is not here, something that is happening in the future, it is very easy for the church to swear allegiance to other things and to forget that we as Christians are called to to be Faithful to that kingdom. We are, we are a part of that kingdom right now. But when we don't have that ingrained in our identity, it is easy to fall into the tricks of politics and any other social, political movements around us that are, are claiming or asking for our allegiance. But when we understand that every Sunday we walk into the kingdom through word, through song, through prayer, through confession, through giving, through mission, we, it, it revolutionizes the way we do church. It gives us an identity. We are citizens of that kingdom right now.
0: Amen. All right, next question. Let's keep moving here. Paul will have to start this one. I want differing levels of preaching, some very basic with simple English and other times more challenging. I feel this would allow for different needs of the congregation to be met. Is this possible? Actually, don't answer that one. (laughs) We do that already. So either you need to start attending every Sunday or watch the old ones. And in fact, we bring in guests uh, usually once a Sunday as well. Um, In the next month, we're going to switch to a verse-by-verse series and do one more series on emotionally healthy spirituality. But now that the discipleship track is kicked off, then we're going to end doing those Sunday morning introduction ones. Uh, So we do rotate. Um, And I think the challenge is, as someone who's preached for 23 years is, and growing churches through my preaching, I might add. There's evidence of that. Uh, So um, I think it's one of these things that you really have to ask, too, is what's your mindset when you listen to a sermon? Am I willing to put myself in a place where, Lord, it might not all be for me, but I believe you have something for me today in this message? Whether it's the text, whether it's one point, but the worst thing I've noticed over the years, if you leave a sermon and all you can, can do is complain about it, you have missed the Lord. And in fact, there's something in your heart that needs, I'm getting a little preachy. And, 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 and let me simplify it even more. You're letting the enemy steal good seed. You're letting the enemy steal good seed. So be careful in that. My posture when I listen to sermons, and guess what? I listen to tons of sermons as well, is have I prayed? I take notes, and I said, Lord, what is it that you want me to hear today in this? Or what is it that you want me to hear for the community that I'm a part of, my family, my, my marriage, my small group, my workplace? How do I operate and function? So I think that's, so the answer is, yes, we're doing that, and you will get more of that as well. Um, But I'll tell you what, it's one of the hardest things in a church is to be a preaching, teaching pastor, because everyone can do it better than you, but nobody does it. I'm going to let that sit. Everybody's got an opinion. Everybody can do it better. But unless you're preaching with your life and doing it, it's really easy to take pot shots. It's very dangerous. That's that's how churches get in downward spirals, too. And uh, yeah, so you want to add to that? I saw the microphone moving.
1: I can add. To, I was gonna I was gonna ask if you wanted to drop the mic. <laughs> um, I'm gonna I'm just gonna say that I think um, this question, um, a very simple answer to this question would be join a home church. There's a lot of simple English. Hallelujah. And a lot of challenging stuff happening at home church and sometimes that's where the sermon really lands for us. Sometimes, and, and I'm, I'm talking from experience, I'm in a group and whenever we join, we start going at the sermon and we kind of get things because we are sharing with each other. And um, yeah. a, a few years ago, Brad Jersey came to our church and he was talking about those three legs, about it's, it's the Holy Spirit, it's um, the community, it's the church body, and, and it's the word mm. revealed in Jesus. And we need all three. for for this to happen, for us to be transformed. We need Shell to preach, but we also need as a church to come together and talk about these things and be open to the Holy Spirit and go back to scripture and read and find Jesus there. So if you're looking for all that in just one sermon, it's not gonna happen here or wherever you're looking for that um, anywhere in the world. But if we do that faithfully, I think uh, great things happen. So the sermon is not over until you join a home church. That's where it lands.
0: And if you're going to complain, only complain when Andreas is on or Paul's on.
2: So I'm going to add just one point to address the question regarding uh, simple English. And I do think it is important uh, for any preacher to try their best to convey the message in terms that people can understand. Obviously, Jesus used parables and stories to get his point across. So I think it is important. However, having said that, we do know that scripture... Some scripture can be very complicated. There are some complicated concepts. And sometimes it's unavoidable to use terms that are difficult to understand, like redemption or propitiation that you find in First John, for example. And at that point, it's up to the preacher to pause and to explain what exactly does propitiation mean in scripture. So I would say, yes, of course, I think every preacher who has ever tried preaching, it is a difficult task, and I think you know, while I'm sure everyone tries to, you know, make their message understandable, there are times due to person's personality, education, and so on, they may slip into using terms perhaps that are, you know, over people's heads. So, yeah, I think it's a valid point to bring out that we should try to convey our message
0: in clear and simple English when possible. Amen. Um, Let's go to the next question. Or do we cover everything on that one? Where we're wondering what your thoughts are about life on other planets. Do you think it's possible? <laughs> I feel like there's a setup in this somewhere. I just I haven't quite put my finger on it yet.
2: <laughs>
1: OK, this is kind of funny because <laughs> and not that the question is funny in itself, but OK. Um, OK, here's the, some context. When I wake up in the mornings, I'm driving over and I'm, I'm warming up my voice so that I'm not dying when I'm practicing with the team. So I'll put on Spotify and I'll have a playlist and I'll throw some stuff. But today, I, choose, I chose the wrong playlist and this Blink 182 song came in. You guys, I might know what I'm talking about, but nine, 1999, Record came in, pop punk band, and there's this song on this record called "Aliens Exist," which I loved when I was 13 years old. And it's all about conspiracy theories and the CIA. And this dude who wrote the song, this person who wrote the song, actually is now working with NASA and the CIA, t- like developing like theories on ovnis and stuff and all that. So this was in the back of my head. I don't, maybe I sent this question. Maybe an alien sent this question. I don't know. Um, Wondering about life on other planets, uh, I I don't know. I think there's there, if, if you ever want to go deep into this, C.S. Lewis has a wonderful series, um, Silent, Silent Planet. It's a beautiful book on life on other planets and stuff like that, and also like a lot of good Kingdom stuff in there. I have wondered, I am not sure. I do remember a sermon on Lausanne a few years ago, and I'm not sure who said it. I think it was Ruth Padilla who said, if there is life on other planets, Jesus will reach them and they will all bow down to him one day and find that love and forgiveness wherever they are at. So I thought that was a good point. That's all I have to say.
0: Sorry. Yeah. Wow. Um, the uh, I think the, the 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 humble answer is we don't know. Um, I think what we do need to, to say is that if there's life on other planets and we've seen life on this planet, uh, we need to be skeptical about any ultimate claims, <laughs> and I think the thing is, if the Creator that we worship is the Creator of all things, it doesn't necessarily mean He's disclosed everything to us. Like, why would He? He's God, right? Uh, and we know He hasn't. In fact, if we if we value what we read in Scripture, so I think the long and short of it is is you know, be careful lest you're deceived by something also that claims to be from another world or realm because we christians do believe that there are other beings we absolutely believe there's other beings we see that in the Re- the book of revelation we see that in uh other places throughout the bible angels uh the idea of the cosmology the world view is what that means of the new testament it says that there are spiritual forces of good and evil as well and that jesus resurrected body is a material spiritual thing woven together in that space uh that sometimes referred to sort of as the heavens you know and so the other thing I would say is if you're dealing with your atheist friend, and if your atheist friend is okay with believing in aliens but cannot fathom the idea of God, you can point them out on their sheer hypocrisy in that argument. So say, so let me consider you can easily believe in an alien, but you can't believe that there would be a divine being that created everything and is sustaining it. Okay. Uh, I don't, yeah, so...
1: Paul, do you have any thoughts Paul, you, you have to Fix it, Nothing. Paul. Fix Is there it? a multiverse, <laughs> Paul? We've know.
0: dug our hole, now fix it. <laughs> Nothing further to add to the question. <laughs> okay, let's go to the next question then, then Paul can fix this one. All right. All right, clergy are given marriage licenses from the government in which to officiate legal marriages. How do we reconcile this with the doctrine of separation of church and state? Do you want to tackle that one?
2: <laughs> well, by the sheer fact that we live in this world, And we are to obey governments. I don't think you can escape as a citizen of of your country. You can't, because the kingdom of God is not here fully yet, as we already mentioned earlier. So yeah, you're going to be subject to the laws of the country, and where those laws do not contradict or you know interfere with our practice of faith, there's nothing wrong with it. Otherwise, you would have people running around doing all kinds of stuff. Uh, So yeah, the government has to have standards and what have you. So I, I don't see. Uh, there's a, how there's a contradiction here. Personally, um, you know there are legal requirements around many things uh, that we just can't avoid because we live in this world. Um, so I would just say that by way of introduction, and I'll let Shell and Andreas flesh that out a bit.
0: Well, <laughs> oh, uh, yeah, we don't have to spend a ton of time on this. I would say that's a great answer, uh, and it's a good. All the questions are good, by the way. I know we we joke about them, but they're all really good questions. Um, Romans 13 talks about. The governments are, are that god works through governments um and also that we're to live at peace paul says this, as much as possible it depends on us and yet there's also a time to protest right and i think all this COVID stuff has brought this up uh, as well and really wrestling with when is it time when is a line crossed so to speak that as a believer we have to stand up against the authorities that in some ways god is working through but also the enemy is working through Um, And I I don't think that question is always super easy to discern. That's why we do it in community. We do it in relationships. We get into real trouble when we're doing it as individuals. Um, But that's why God's put us into churches where we discern together. Um, But uh, to me, this sounds like a very American libertarian question. Somebody's here today who's visiting uh, from the States. Who got that question. Because this is the kind of thing you hear a lot. Uh, There are some people that would say as a church, you know, it's your option whether or not you want this marriage to be recognized by, the, by the, the state, by the province of BC, or if you just want it to be a religious ceremony with no state part. I don't think fundamentally if someone said to us, I just, I want to get married, but I don't want to get legally married, that we, we could wrestle with that on a case-by-case basis. Um, because ultimately, the religious or the spiritual wedding is not the same thing as the legal wedding. I mean, the, the province of BC recognizes it as a solemnizing act, but unless you get a marriage license, it's not because it doesn't become part of that. So there's a lot of things in this question about governance that um, we could really go down the rabbit hole with, but let's go to the next question, I think.
1: I just wanna add some perspective to that. In Mexico, clergy, Catholic or Protestant, do not have the legal authority to marry you. Like, they don't don't have that license, so you get married twice. You have a wedding with a government uh, official, and then you have a wedding at a church. But if you just get married in a church, it does not have any legal binding. Just throwing that out
0: there. Well, and really the marriage license in the state is totally different than the covenant you make, right? Like when you get married in the church, this is a covenant. What do we do to sustain the relationship? Whereas a contract, which is a marriage license, is basically how can I sue you if this thing goes south? Totally different. It is, isn't it? Am I not speaking the truth? Okay, all right, yeah, all right. It's, It's a quiet crowd today. All right, next question. I have heard it said that the Holy Spirit always, uh, sorry, I guess the question was on screen. How do we distinguish our inner voice or conscience, which all people have from the Holy Spirit? Does the Holy Spirit take over our conscience? All right, I'll give it to one of these guys.
1: Paul, do you want to start us off?
2: No, it's your turn to
1: start. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, It's a great question. Ping pong, okay. How do we distinguish our inner voice or conscience, which all people have from the Holy Spirit? I found in my life, at some a certain point in my life, I was in a pattern of sort of um, sin, guilt, repentance, joy, sin, guilt, repentance, joy. And it was like this very toxic pattern of being like a very emotionally unstable Christian. And I remember thinking about this and, and diving deep into Scripture to think, when is it the Holy Spirit talking? When is it just me? And something that was really powerful in my life and liberating was to learn more about what the Holy Spirit does. How does... He work. what are the things that, uh, on on that whole Trinitarian relationship, if we can somehow flesh it out, what is the role of the Holy Spirit? And one thing that I found very powerful is the Holy Spirit is not there to condemn you. Hmm. He's not there to guilt you. Yes, you will be called out on different things. Here and there, your heart will be maybe uh, challenged in different ways. But if you are feeling guilt, if you are feeling shame, that's not the Holy Spirit. That's you or forces outside of you. So this is why I think discipleship is very important, because when we learn more about the Trinity and the Holy Spirit and the communion found there and how we play into that, um, we can start learning to discern when when there are things that are just us or where the Holy Spirit is is coming. But I'll say this, the Holy Spirit is seeking you out to give you healing and life, not to guilt you into coming to church.
0: I'm going to disagree with you because I think there's a difference between shame and guilt.
1: Maybe, th- maybe there's a language barrier there.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think...
1: Because I'm translating.
0: Yeah, I think guilt is something that... If I walked over and slapped you, I should feel guilty. Right? Yes. Yes. But, but if I'm operating out of shame... Like, I think shame is, a, is something... Like, there's a, there's, a, there's a difference between, like, if you do something wrong, there's a conviction. Okay.
1: I'm, I'm, so maybe we're talking about thing. When, when I say guilt, the actual word that I'm thinking is, in Spanish is condenacion, which is condemnation, okay. not culpa, which is like mea culpa, which is feeling guilty about stuff.
0: So it's a stronger word when I've I think I've got a little guilty. bit of German. I've got a lot less Spanish. So yes. You have so, to. so you need to get on your Spanish, man. So I think… Somebody was already complaining about these confusing, not right. simple English words. See? Yeah. So, so I think
1: I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to retract and change the word guilty in that statement for condemnation.
0: Okay. Okay. Does that make sense? Like sort of this beating down. Yeah, 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 yeah. This is good. This is good. Yeah, I, I mean, I think the root of the question is great, right? Like, and then discerning, being trapped in that sense of I can never do anything right, or I'm constantly, I'm, I'm unworthy, yeah. I'm, I'm less human, less than, I'm, I'm yeah. that kind of thing. That's not the Holy Spirit. That's not
1: the Holy Spirit. Anything that's pointing you out of the image of God in you mm-hmm. and denying that. And yeah. Kind of throwing you into this pattern of you are not capable. You're not worthy. You're not good You are just the worst of the worst. And then my
0: approach to God is I'm always feel like I'm a crawling to God Yes, like on broken glass, and I'm not yeah. Yeah, where there's something about in in Christ. We are raised up Yeah, right. this is good stuff good stuff Yeah, so got a last thought on that
2: I, I would just add that on a practical note because you know, a lot of people go around saying well, you know God told me this or the Spirit is saying this to me And i I take that with a a big grain of salt because i find sometimes the things people say is just gibberish i think what you have to do (laughs) i'm I'm being blunt is you got to test what you that little voice in your head is that in alignment with the word of god because oftentimes when i hear people say things it's totally contradicted to scripture so that obviously can't be the holy spirit the holy spirit is not going to tell you something that contradicts scripture right so i think that's on a practical note something to keep in mind if what you're hearing is something that contradicts the word of god i doubt very much it's the holy spirit yeah yeah. and and along that same note and when it's something really important i wouldn't just trust myself i would go and also speak with uh, a trusted more spiritually mature person as well there's safety in in a number of counselors or spiritual advisors so i would also share that with someone else and ask them for the the sermon as well and advice
1: and i think also asking a question which is um, I, i know this is very. Slogan is to talk about the what would Jesus do, but it is legit to ask is is this is the Holy Spirit leading me to Christ? Because that's the Holy Spirit leads us points us to Christ So whenever something is happening in our lives and we feel the Spirit is doing something as Paul was saying yes Let's go to Scripture But let's go to Scripture as revealed in Jesus is the Holy Spirit saying you know an eye for an eye or is he saying you know forgive your neighbor as, you forg- as you've been forgiven, that kind of stuff. So I think it's also important to keep that Christ-centered thing there.
0: So how many more questions do we have? I know we're getting towards the end of our time here. Um, are you guys okay for like five minutes? I'm looking at the church here. Five minutes. There's some people that need to slip out if you need to slip out. Jimmy's giving me a thumbs up from the baby cry slash happy room. So if our young parents with the newest or one of the newest babies in here are okay with five more minutes, then, then I guess... I don't know, then I'm worse than a newborn, I guess, no. <laughs> okay, let's, let's keep going here, then we'll do at least one more uh, question here. Blah, blah, oh, that's nice, all right. Pastor Shaw, oh no, has made statements, newsletter endorsing vaccinations. Is this IBC's position too? Can you explain theologies behind the different viewpoints on vaccination? Well, look at the time, let's pray and sing a hymn. The Lord is good, praise God from whom all... okay. Short answer is that is not the position of IBC or Pilgrim. Uh, So as a pastor or a staff member or team, sometimes we make statements that don't represent the whole church. I post something on social media and it's my personal social media account. Guess what? Represents me unless I explicitly say this is the approved position that the council members, board, you know, the group of grand priests of potentates of you know, IBC, then it's that. But if it's not that, then it's not that. Um, yeah, I personally have said that uh, we should at least consider getting vaccinated. I've not said it quite that sternly. I've said, you know, there's, there's exceptions, there's reasons why you, legitimate reasons why you would not want to get vaccinated. So I've been a little more nuanced than what that particular statement is. Um, but in general, I want to have a, a level of trusting those that are doing research, that are engaged in the sciences around vaccinations. Um, You know, the funny thing is, I don't, I'd be curious to know historically, and I'm sure we are going to be decades of people writing about this after this pandemic thing is long gone, or at least this pandemic, um, about how do people respond to the polio vaccination? How do polio, or how do people respond to those early vaccinations when they came out and were radical new technology, just like people are worried about the the mRNA, uh, Vaccinations because you know, all technology was brand new and, and seemed crazy at the time, right? So, I'd be curious to know that. And I, and I think for me, it's um, we're a church, so we disagree in love. This is not a primary issue, as I said three weeks ago or two weeks ago. This is nowhere in the middle, um, but I think you do need to ask questions about do I trust at some level that. If there's a large consensus with science at this point and yes we know that sometimes those large consensuses can turn out to be bogus we, we know that um, but am I gonna trust the conspiracy theorist or am I gonna like, and so I think ultimately you're taking a risk right you took a risk this morning when you put on deodorant there's lots of research about deodorant did you know that we could get into debates about does aluminum co- uh, link to Alzheimer most of that's been debunked but Like, you could do this with everything. And so it's interesting how we fixate sometimes, depending on the public moment, on some of these things. And what I want to ask as a Christian in whatever the controversy of the day is, how am I being Jesus-like in a maximal way towards those that I disagree with, towards those that I agree with? Am Am I disagreeing in love with someone? Because I think that's... And the other thing to it, I would say that we need to ask a missional question around any controversy of the day. How is the church posturing itself towards those that we're called to reach if we die on the hill that isn't Jesus? If we die on the hill of vaccinations or no vaccinations, how does the non-believer we're called to reach see that? Think about that. And if you don't know, ask a non-believer. So I want to ask the missional question. I want to ask the Jesus-centric question about any controversy of the day. Because we've got to keep the main thing as the main thing. And there are Christians that will shame you on the left and the right on this. Some on the left will shame me for what I just said about I think, I think we should work with the science, we trust the science. If you have legitimate reasons not to be vaccinated, so be it. People on the left will skewer me. No, pastor, you should absolutely say everyone in this church ought to get vaccinated. It is the word of the Lord because that's what it means to be loving towards a neighbor. I've never said that. On the other hand, then you get skewered on the far right. Sorry, not to pick on, I don't know if you guys are, sorry, these guys are feeling poked, you know. <laughs> um, on the far right saying, it's a conspiracy, everything's a conspiracy, That's all. the government's all trying to get you. You know, the government's a mixed bag, it's always a mixed bag, saint and sinner in process, because it's representative, usually us, on a mac- larger scale. Um, and the enemy works in our hearts just as much as the enemy works in government. Same thing, right, just magnified, both directions. People on the right that say, well, you should be out there doing protests and you should be out there chaining yourself to the outside of this church when we couldn't come in the building and and you should be encouraging. And again, what does Jesus say about it? What's at the center and how does the non-Christian perceive it? And I get skewered because I didn't do that either. In fact, pastors are leaving ministry right now, lead pastors in particular, because it's easy to be a staff guy and let the lead pastor get shot at, right? Um, This is our leaving ministry right now because churches are just all over on this stuff and people are being they're losing their salvation over this the last thing i want is that we put the wrong thing in the center we don't die on the hill of vaccines or no vaccines we die on the hill of what is centered in jesus and what magnifies his love and his message and i don't see how preaching about vaccines every sunday during pandemic one way or the other calls people to follow christ Calling you to be loving even to those that you disagree with and you would see as an enemy, now that's Jesus. But that's hard, loving the person. That's why being a church of more than 30 people is difficult because you've got one or two personalities. But if you want to have more than one or two personalities, then you've got to be able to have a bigger sense of what does it mean to be on mission, and that's got to be Jesus-centric. Um, I know that took almost five minutes. Does anyone else want to chime in on that? I'm just going to quickly say... Um... He disagrees 100%, and this guy's a heretic. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs>
2: I think when it comes to very polarizing issues like vaccinations and other things, it's very easy to pigeonhole people into, you know, black or white, and then you demonize them depending on where you stand in that. And what I find distressing is that we already in society we see this fragmentation, this polarization, this bitter hostilities between, you know, right and left, and and all that. And as Christians, we are to model a different behavior. Like, I find Christians can't even engage in a civil conversation anymore. They get all worked up and agitated. And I was having a, a walk with a friend, and we were just, he was sharing me his experience that it's torn apart families, Christian families, it's torn apart churches. It's really sad. What kind of testimony is this to the world? In fact, the newspapers have written an article about this very issue. <laughs> how Christians are known for their opposition to perceived as opposed to science, opposed to caring for other people who may differ with them. Mm -hmm. So that's the kind of testimony Christians are getting in the world, and to me that's the saddest part of this whole thing. Why can't we just calmly talk about it in love, even if we disagree? You know, you can learn something from the other side. And yet Christians seem to be so dogmatic, so sure of themselves, that they can't learn anything from anyone else. And to me, that's the saddest tragedy of these sort of sort of these polarizing issues that we find uh, so common in society today. That's what really breaks my heart is that we can't even engage in, you know, civil, polite conversation
0: anymore. Uh, That's what brings me. Well, and I hope the church, we would learn to do that. I mean, we have an example in Jesus, you know, and we need to do that. We need to repent. We need to confess our sins of being... You know, Galatians, in that passage right before the fruit of the Spirit, Paul lists a bunch of things about sex and sexuality, which I'm surprised we didn't have any of those questions today. I'm shocking. That must be, I don't know if they got filtered or what, but normally there's at least one or two about sex. Um, but, but the other part of that list of vices is about slander, backbiting, gossip, idolatry. Like, the, most, half of that list is about what we do with our mouth. Conservative Christians get worked up about the body, but then we somehow forget the mouth, this, this organ right here, our tongue. And Paul then goes in, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control, you know, the fruit of the Spirit. Well, let's do one more, then we'll wrap it here. We've done about 30, what have we done, about 30 minutes of questions? A little more than that. One more. Well, if it's a good one. If it's not a good one, then we'll be done. Oh, go to another one. I don't want to do that one. Next. It's a good question, but it's, we can't do that in a short amount of time. That takes a half hour to unpack. One more question. What do we got? We don't have any more. That's the last one. Oh, they got a whole ton, they said. Well, you want to, f- okay, you'll see, t- last question, Andreas is going to tackle. I, my mic-
1: oh, I just want to say that I have a bunch of book recommendations for this person, so reach out to me. There's many good things written already about evolution and creation and all that. We can't unpack it in five minutes, but this is yeah. a really good topic, and I'd be happy to discuss it after sending out some articles and books and chapters.
0: Yeah, good one, good one. All right, well, I don't know what's going on, but well, we do have one. Let's, let's not do the uh, evolution-creation debate unless that's like the first question. Okay, one more here. One more. It's said that we need to interpret some parts of scriptures literally and others figuratively. How do we know? The, how do we know? Is it possible the Holy Spirit would reveal the meaning of a particular passage literally to one believer, figuratively to another believer? Two things. Uh, <laughs> Asked for a nice little question to go with, but not going to happen. All right. Um, two things. Scripture gives us hints on that, right? Like. The book of Revelation, for example, the first couple letters are, are letters, are epistle the type of writing, is a letter to the churches, and, and they might represent more than just those churches, but they're presented in that way. And then John, and then John says, "I was caught up in the spirit in the Lord's days," and he goes in, and he, and 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 the rest of this. Then he shifts his language after the letters, which are also caught up in the spirit, but he shifts the language into this genre that clearly is fanciful is clearly this exaggerated it's 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 apocalypse it's designed to communicate through uh, exaggeration and and vision and dream and all of that and so I think obviously there's some points where the text is clearer the question is and here's the second thing I'm gonna say about this is there are lots of things that scripture is quite clear on and are quite obviously literally written to a specific circumstance in church And then if we then do some of the cultural, you know, ask, so how does it translate into our time? There's still, you're always doing interpretation regardless. Um, But then there's other things that are much more clear, right? And so I think this is the thing, too. Sometimes we want to get fixated on the stuff that is much more difficult, like the prophecies in Daniel, for example, or some of the prophecies in the Old Testament, uh, the book of Revelation, versus the stuff that it's like straightforward. The stuff that we like to ignore in Scripture is this. If you have anything against a brother, leave your gift at the altar and go to them. Or um, the personal peacemaking stuff. Straight up where he says, you know, we're to be people that initiate and engage in reconciliation. Like some of this stuff is obviously not figurative. It's literally dealing with relationships. But I think that you ask those questions about what's going on in the text. And by the way, where you have 2,000 years, well, not quite 2,000 years of Christians wrestling with the Bible. We also ask, what have Christians before done with this passage if they were troubled or we don't understand it? What are the Christians that have gone before us? We also are meant to read Scripture in community. We are not all individual popes, contrary to our Baptist birthright that makes us all individual popes. We interpret Scripture in community too, so we we wrestle together. The other thing I would say is we read it through Jesus. Again, the Bible's not flat. We get into all kinds of trouble if we try to read the Bible Ignoring that the Old Testament and the the Hebrew Bible, we read it now that through Jesus Messiah. That changes how we approach it. Um, but I don't know if you want to add other things.
1: I yeah I, I in every Q and A I do a early church fathers plug where I'll just say it's very interesting when you read about how the disciples of the disciples read scripture. And how someone like Irenaeus or, or Origen or, or the Cappadocians or different people—that these are beautiful writings that we have. You can go to a bookstore, go online, and read them. It's 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 wonderful to see how they engage with Scripture, how they read the Old Testament, how they talked about Jesus, how they read um, different different parts of it, and. I think something beautiful and wonderful about biblical scholarship is that now it is very accessible. There are many resources in our way to learn how the scripture, there's genre in scripture. And we don't read Chronicles the same way that we read the poetry in the Psalms. And we don't read that the same way that we read apocalyptic literature, such as found in Daniel or in Revelations. There are ways to read scripture, ways to engage with it. And yeah, like Shell was saying, I think there's, there's a lot of good in doing it in community, reading, reading scripture with others. Highly underrated. Um, there's this bit in the confessions where St. Augustine is talking about Genesis. And he's talking about different ways of understanding um, the seven days, I think. And like some people say that it's literal. Some people say that it's like 24 hours. Some people say that it's like a 1,000 years in one day. Some people, there's many opinions. I guess we're never going to agree, but we can all agree that God created the world. And he just completely, uh, You know, it goes into this bit where it's kind of funny. He says, well, we're never going to, you know, let's just disagree, disagree, and agree on things that we can agree on. I know that's a cop-out. But understanding that there are different ways to think about it and that the Holy Spirit will take us through a process reading Scripture sometimes is helpful. And you shouldn't do that alone. You should should be a part of a community that allows you to do that um, in a gentle and loving and kind way.
0: Yeah, and you can certainly read the. We certainly should be reading the Bible alone, but also in community, like particularly when we're dealing with debates. And look at that—you snuck in the other question back in. Wow, through St. Augustine. Oh yeah. Okay. All right. You know, he's, he, he has some good stuff. <laughs> all right. Here, all there. right. All right. Very good. Very good. All right. Well, I think we're going to land this here. I know it looks like we have lots of questions left, which is exciting. Which we uh, usually will try to draw them in either the next time or we just start over. Um, but this. For some of you, this is new this morning, and I'm just gonna ask that you be gracious with this, and let your heart and mind sit with it. And the next time we do it, think of people that you would invite in this environment to get in questions, because this is an opportunity to to model sort of wrestling out loud. Um, If you think about some of the ancient methods of teaching, they were this kind of thing. They were question and response. They were dialogical. They were going back and forth as well. Um, there's, a, there's an ancient rabbinical method that's sort of like this as well. Um, but I uh, just want to encourage you this morning uh, to continue to wrestle with those questions and know that in Christ, we find our unity in our center. And His Word speaks to us. And I was reminded this week as I was reading a different author that the early church was built on the resurrection that scandalous experience of Jesus appearing to them in physical physically appearing to them and that they had all unfollowed but in that experience that's what caused them to start to follow again and then the sending of the Holy Spirit launches the church they didn't have all the answers to all of this but they encountered something hundreds of them encountered something that changed how they saw Jesus, that he was no longer just a great rabbi, a great prophet, a modern-day Buddha, a whatever, but he came back from the dead. And they were so convinced of that they were willing to die for that. They put everything on the line for that. And that chain of eyewitnesses has continued forward to this day where you and I are sitting here. We're responding to those and the experience of living Christ by the Holy Spirit, but those that saw him physically and his promise to return again one day in the same way he went into heaven, into that other realm. And so here we are, we're living into that scandal. Their faith wasn't based on this. Now, of course, we have recorded the New Testament didn't exist in this format for the first hundred years, couple hundred years of the church. So think about that. I challenge you today as we leave is have you engaged in that conversation with Jesus who can be known spiritually until he comes again physically and literally? Have you stepped into that space? And when we gather as a church, he promises to be here uniquely present in our conversations and our worship as well. So let's stand together this morning and we're going to pray as we prepare to leave today. Uh, Give it up for Paul and Andreas. They can grab their... seats or whatever. Paul, we went, we went gentle on you this time. <laughs> uh, we're going to sing. Are we going to sing a song? Oh, wow. All right. We're going to sing a song. Here we go.